As Eric was saying, uh, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you are still thanking God daily because there are so many things we need to be thankful to God for because he has been so, so good to us. Amen? Three weeks. <laughs> See, that's what I expect. I expected some to say, yeah, and others to groan. Oh. And uh, I, I completely understand. You know, this, we should know better. It happens this time every year, and, and yet we don't always prepare as well as we could. But uh, uh, I don't know about you, but I know that we still have things that we're trying to uh, scurry around and get done and prepared for uh, Christmas. But this is historically the busiest time of year for many, many people. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but there were records being set while we were having Thanksgiving dinner and, and the days uh, after. Um, during the five days from Thanksgiving to Cyber Monday, there were new records being set. People spent more money than they have ever spent before in those five days. Uh, on, you know, we expect uh, Black Friday people to be out shopping. It's estimated that people spent $9.1 billion on Black Friday, new record for Black Friday. But on Cyber Monday, new record for Cyber Monday, $11.4 billion. And in total from Thanksgiving Day to Cyber Monday, there were $35.5 billion spent. You know, I pause there because I don't understand that number. I know what it is, but I don't understand it. It's just too big for me to, to comprehend. And yet, most of that money was spent on gifts. $35.5 billion on gifts. Obviously, we, we are a people that want to give gifts, whether it's to ourselves or to others, because we know some of that people are, are spending money on gifts for themselves, things that they've waited for till this time of the year to hopefully uh, grab a good deal. But those gifts, you know, when we give gifts, there are certain things that are not necessarily um, recognized that are attached to our gift giving. Uh, we, we, when we give gifts, there is effort that we take to give them there's expense and then there's the third which is expectation you know when we're getting gifts we have an expectation when we're getting these gifts that the person we're getting them for will like them right i don't know anybody well that's not true <laughs> i don't know very many people that ever buy gifts that they expect the person not to like. I do know one, but I'm not going to mention their name. And I realize that when we're doing all the things we do, we have this massive, unspoken, sometimes not even recognized expectation that when a gift is given, that the people we give those gifts to will, first of all, they'll acknowledge that we gave it to them and appreciate it. Right? Don't we want somebody to say, oh, thank you. 
Because if they just say, oh, you know, that's not the best thing. You shouldn't have. So there's, there's this, this desire to have people appreciate what we've done. Then the second aspect of when we give a gift, we desire that people would value what we've given. They would see the value of it and, and treasure it. And then the third aspect when a gift is given, not only do we have those two first tendencies to want, but the third, we have a deep desire that this gift would be beneficial and used. Because how bad is it when we, we find out that somebody has taken the gift we gave them and put it in a closet or in a drawer or even re-gifted it back to us, not knowing that we gave it to them? You know, it, it just, it's, it's, it's a real letdown. And so these gifts are, are something that the giver wants to be appreciated, acknowledged, to be valued, and to be beneficial, to, to uh, have an impact, a positive impact and influence. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about gifts because we're, we're dealing so much in the natural with gifts. We're spending so much money, so much time, so much effort uh, to get gifts for people. And yet, God is a gift-giving God. He's always been a gift-giving God. He's a, a God that gives. And we sang this morning, God so loved the world that what? He gave the gift of his son. Greatest gift ever given, ever will be, ever has. And, and God the son gave himself to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And we've been given the gift of salvation. We're saved by grace through faith right? And, and it's a gift so that none of us brag about it. You know, when we get a gift, we, we aren't, well, we shouldn't be sitting there and saying, why didn't you get me something bigger? As a kid, I used to think that way, but that didn't get me very far. My parents said, if you want bigger, then you get it yourself. But we, we see that the son gave himself fully and completely for all of us. And then the Father and the Son gave Holy Spirit to live in every one of us that believes. And the Spirit of God comes giving gifts. See, He is a gift-giving God. And just like us, when we give gifts, God wants, number one, for us to acknowledge, to be aware and acknowledge that a gift has been given. The second thing He wants is He wants us to value the gift that He's given. Because it's coming from God. Doesn't the Bible say that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above? And so what, what he's giving us, there's nothing better. It's absolutely the best. And we can be assured of that, even though we don't understand it or necessarily see it that way. And the third thing that God the Father wants is that that gift would be beneficial, it would be utilized and it would be helpful in our lives. And so today, with that in mind, we're going to look at, at the gifts. Not in detail, but generally how God has given these gifts. So before we go to, to the word, let's pray. If you'd bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence here. Lord, we, we are assured that you are everywhere, but Father, you've said where two or more are gathered, you are there in their midst. So we thank you for your presence, but Father, we require, we need 
we ask for your participation. Father, meet us right here, right now. Speak to our hearts, our minds, our circumstances and situations, and help us know you, know what you have prepared and provided and planned for us. That, Father, we can be who you have for us to be and do what you have for us to do, to be bringing glory to your name, impact and impartation to the people that you so love. That, Father, as we freely receive, we can freely give. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you for transformation that will occur in our lives as we go from glory to glory as you lead us and provide for us. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name and everyone said. So in Ephesians chapter 4, I don't know what you're using, if you are using an electronic or a physical Bible or just going to depend on us to put the scriptures up there. Uh, But in Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. Uh, in verse 7 and 8 in the Phillips translation, naturally there are different gifts and functions. So there are different gifts and functions. And, and we may have the same gift, but we may have a different function. We may have a certain function, but we may have different gifts. And so it's up to God because God knows best. There used to be an old show called Father Knows Best, but I, I don't think that would fly too well at this time. I don't think too many people would watch it because I don't think they believe it. But the truth is our Father does know best. Our Heavenly Father always knows best. And so he he gives these gifts and functions. It says individually grace is given to us in different ways out of the rich diversity of Christ's giving. As the scripture says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So God is a gift-giving God and he gives gifts to men. Now, we need to recognize that these gifts that he gives are individual for us and corporate. And so when he gives these, he has a a purpose and a plan in mind. Now, uh, I want to read this in the Living Bible um, because it just kind of gives another bit of an aspect. It says, Christ has given each of us special abilities, whatever he wants us to have. See, just like when we were born, we weren't born with a checklist before saying, I want this, and I want this, I want this, I want this. We came packaged. And God has a package for us to be able to be what he has for us to be and do what he has for us to do. And it's it's an affront to God. If we look at somebody else and say, well, I'm not like them. God didn't want you to be like them. God wanted you to be like you. God wanted you just as you are and and wants you to become what he has for you to become. But it goes on to say, uh, whatever he wants us to have out of his rich storehouse of gifts. The psalmist tells us this, for he says that when Christ returned triumphantly to heaven after his resurrection and victory over Satan, he gave generous gifts to men. So God gave generous gifts individually and corporately to people and of people. In Romans chapter 12, uh, in, in verse 4 through 6, and please understand that, that when the Apostle Paul is writing this, he's writing to believers. He's not writing to certain individuals. He's writing to the church at Ephesus, the church at Rome. And this is to the church at Rome, of which we are too. For as we have many members in one body... 
but, not, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we're individuals, but we're a body. And we know that. We see that every day when we look in the mirror. There are individual parts of our body, but all of them work together according to the direction of the head, which is in the case of the body of Christ, Jesus. The head dictates what the rest of the body does. And so we as members need to be directed by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit with using the gifts that he's given us to be a benefit to others. You know, these gifts were given to benefit all, the Bible says, to benefit those in the body of Christ, to benefit those that are coming to the body of Christ. It goes on to say, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us. And remember, grace is a gift. It is something that we have to receive. The grace that is given us, let us what? Use them. So every one of us has been given gifts. And you may say, well, I don't know what my gift is. Well, that's something that we individually have to learn about. We have to look into the scriptures and find out. And today we don't have time to go into great detail of what the different gifts are. But I will tell you, if you would write this down, Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the, the uh, gifts that God gives to us. And as you study that out and you become more understanding of what the word of God says, you can become more aware of what God wants to be using you in. But, but uh, it's that God gives these gifts, and each one of us has them, and we need to use them, put them to use. Now, there are people in the body of Christ, they, they are just there. They're waiting to go to heaven. People sitting in churches just waiting to go to heaven. But they are not engaging the gift that God's given them to impact and to impart to other people what God has to enrich their lives through. And we know that, that God has given us these gifts to use on behalf of other people to bring glory to him and, and uh, a richness to other people's lives. But it's also to enrich us because the Bible says it's more blessed to what? Give than receive. When we give of ourselves and the gift God's given us to to the glory of God and to the benefit of the people around us, all of a sudden there is a fullness in our lives, a fullness in everybody else's lives, and a, a glory that goes to God. It's a win-win-win situation. And yet the enemy works overtime to get us all to think, every one of us, to think, well, I can't do that. I, I'd be no good in that. Listen, if God's gifted you, you may not be good at it at the beginning, but it's like anything. There are very few things we just naturally do well. But we grow in it. We grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. We grow in our ability to use the gifts that God's given us and be the gift that God has given us. In Romans chapter 11, verse 29, it says this. You see, when God gives grace gifts and issues a call to people because there are gifts. Remember we talked about gifts and functions. A calling is an invitation to function for God. That's what a calling is. God gives a gift. God gives a calling. 
But the gifts and call, uh, the gift of grace and the call uh, issue, he issues a call to all people. He does not change his mind or take it back. So these are given forever. God gives you gifts and God gives you callings. And, and these gifts and callings are what God entrusts to us for us to fulfill the will and purpose and plan of God in our lives and through our lives. And so we, we have that choice. The Bible says many are called, few are chosen. Well, how can that be? Because everybody's issued gifts. Everybody's issued a call. But we choose whether we're going to use the gifts or whether we're going to fulfill the call of God on our life. And you may say, well, I don't know. I don't know what my calling is. Well, we know that we're called to bring glory to God. We know that we're called to love God. We know that we're called to love people, love our enemies. We're, we're called to build the kingdom of God in the earth. We're called to many things. But God has specific functions. And without us functioning in those areas, we, we miss something. The body of Christ misses something. The world misses something. God's kingdom misses something because every one of us are important. And so there are various gifts and they, they vary according to God's plan and purpose. Various callings, again, according to God's plan and purpose. And in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul writing to the believers at the church of Ephesus, which we, we need to take in because he's writing to us too. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. He begs you. He is, he is making a statement here of great, great emotional impact. This is so important. Listen up. I beseech you, I beg you, that you walk worthy of the calling which you were called. Now again, the Apostle Paul is writing to the believers at Ephesus, but he's also writing to us. God's using this to help us. He, God is beseeching us. The Apostle Paul is beseeching us. I'm beseeching us that we walk worthy of the calling that we have been called, not just a general call. This is a personal call. This is an individual call. And this is how we do it, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Now, in the days we live in, we don't see a lot of this. There's not a lot of humility. And yet in the kingdom of God, it should be an abundant commodity. Humility should be one of the characteristics of us as Christians. But we see Christians doing things that are absolutely not humble, and yet we're veering off course because we're not focused on what God has told us. So we do what we do uh, with lowliness, with gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And look at this, endeavoring. That is the word ergon. It means work. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You see, when we come into the kingdom of God, we're already connected, unified with Christ and with our brothers and sisters. It's a connection that is spiritual and it is eternal. And, and God makes this. And we have to guard it. We have to protect it. And yet we see in this time and this hour so much division in the body of Christ. And, and most of the division is over things that won't last past this life. So how important are they really? 
You see, that's the thing that we've got to get kind of a reference point on. Are we making issues about things that aren't eternal? Because what we need to do is we may need to make the eternal things the most important. Are we going to love in heaven? I know that's an obvious question, but I'm asking it anyways. Are we going to be loving in heaven? So should we be doing it here? Just the same way. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we forget that. We would never do a lot of the things that we do here because we'd never do them in heaven. And that's an earmark. That's a real indicator of what we ought to be doing. You know, if we're writing nasty nasty grams or, or uh, posts or things like that, we've got to take a, take a second, step back. Is that what we're going to do in heaven? No, I'd never do I, That wouldn't happen in heaven. Then don't have it happen here. Hello? You know, if, if we're not going to be backbiting about somebody in heaven, we know we won't, so don't do it here. If we're not going to be belittling somebody or devaluing somebody in heaven, which we won't, then don't do it here. You see, this is where we practice for heaven. We're supposed to be getting more and more in line with heaven now. And yet many Christians are getting off track, getting farther and farther from what would be happening in heaven. And... and that's the deception that's going on in this time. We think we're right on. We're doing the right thing. We're, we're saying those people are wrong and they're bad. and they're. Isn't that what the, the Apostle Paul did when he was Saul, when he was persecuting the church? And the deception Saul was under is the same deception we operate under when we're persecuting one another. And we are... We are being antagonistic to the prayer Jesus prayed about unity. And we're told we're to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Because there's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in the hope. The hope is a confident expectation of glory. God has a great hope in you. God looks at you like no one has ever looked at you. And God believes in you. And God has great plans for you. And yet we've got people that have looked at us and they write us off or they count us out. And you know how much they know about us? Not as much as God. It doesn't matter how much they know. They don't know as much as God. And God hasn't written you off and he hasn't counted you out. God believes in you. God has a plan for you for good, not for evil, with a future and a hope, a confident expectation of glory. And so this calling that you have is a confident expectation of good that God has in you. You know, some of us, we have so much to overcome because we've been told so many times, you aren't good enough. You can't do that. You're not able. You're... you're you're, you're a mess. You've always been a mess, and you'll always be a mess. But you know what? God takes our messes, messes 
and makes the messages for him. Where people can see a God redeem and work for good what other people gave up on. Because God never gives up. God never gives up. Now, I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and, and just take a second. It's important that you realize God's not given up on you. If you've heard that, if you, you kind of cycle that in your thoughts, you need to cast that down and replace it with truth. God is a God of hope. And, and he will fill you with joy and peace and believing if you would abound to more hope by the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, right now I pray for every person here that that hope would begin to rise up, that confident expectation of good, confident expectation of good in you, God, because you are good all the time, but also a hope, a confident expectation that you're going to work good in each of our lives, no matter what our past has been, because you know and you have a plan for our future, which is good. And so, Father, we thank you right now for breaking the, uh, the lies of the enemy, that, Father, we can build into us the truth of your word. And we thank you for healing these hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so God has this calling. This is a personal calling to you. But that your personal calling, my personal calling, is part of a bigger calling. It's, it's connected to other callings. And it's like a chain. If we don't do, if we aren't being what God has for us to be and aren't doing what God has for us to do, that's the weakest link. And that's where things break. And we don't want to be that. But all of us are weak. And that's where the Bible says in our weakness, God's strength is made full. We need to cry out to him. We need to look to him. We need to run to him. And let him strengthen us in the things that, that he knows we need strengthening in. So each of us, each of us has a calling, each of us has gifts, each of us are members in the body of Christ and have the privilege and responsibility to use the gifts and callings of God that he's given us to bring glory to his name, build his kingdom, benefit our brothers and sisters in Christ and reach the unsaved. And this is not a, a weekend type of thing, this is an everyday thing. Uh, but these, these are gifts. And we read before about how he how Jesus ascended to heaven in victory and he gave gifts to men. But some of these gifts are people. And we picked this up in verse 11 through 13. And it says this, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. All right? Who gave them? Christ. Our Lord Jesus gave these gifts to the church. And every good and perfect gift comes from God. And th this translation was just a little little easier to read than, than what the original says, but it says these gifts uh, Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility. Okay, so he's given these gifts, and now he's saying this is what their responsibility is. Their responsibility is, is to equip God's people to do his work. Do you notice it didn't say their responsibility is to do the work? Did you notice? Okay. Because I have to tell you, in most churches, what people think are, you know, whoever is 
uh, an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. They're there to do the work. But that's not what God's word says. They're there. They're there. Their responsibility is to equip, to prepare, to enrich, to impart, so that the body of Christ would do the work of the ministry. Equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be, what's that next word? Mature in the Lord. Mature in the Lord. That means if we're mature in the Lord, we're going to be tracking with God. We're going to be looking and sounding uh, the way he, he speaks and how he acts and, and how he interacts with people. And yet, when I look at that, I see a lot of room for improvement in my life, but in all of our lives. And so we need help. We constantly need this, these gifts. Now, in, in the original um, translation, in the original version, uh, there's a, a, a word before apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And that word isn't seen here. It's not the word the. But it's a word that indicates a limited number, some. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. There is a segment of people that God has called as these gifts and these ministries to the body of Christ. Again, this will continue until we all come to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's a high standard, isn't it? But that's where God's taking us. And for God to take us there, there's got to be change. Whenever we're experiencing going from glory to glory, there's change. There's never a change in God, but there's always a change required in us. And as much as we don't like change, we need change. We need change. And, and God is a God of change. He stays the same, but everything else around him is subject to change. And then in verse 14 and 15, it goes on to say what these gifts will, will generate in us, what it will produce in us. It says, then we, we the body, talking to us, every one of us sitting here, we the body will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of what? New teaching. Every wind of new teaching. Man, I'm telling you, I have been a Christian for a long time. I have been studying for a long time. And I have watched things come and go. I've watched things come that were gone. And the time had, God had for it was over. And that was fine. But I, I have seen so many things come that were not of God. Because it's new. Do you know that the Bible says, and Jeremy talked about this last week, and we just touched on it, there's nothing new. Nothing new. Nothing new under the sun. And I have to tell you, Jeremy, it was a great message. Thank you very much. I sat in a service uh, last Sunday, and it was a look-back service where they were looking back on their history and all the things that had been accomplished. And this church had been started in 1825. And these people, a group of 12 people met under a brush arbor, which is just poles with branches spread on top of it. 
That was their church throughout the whole year. They were outside in the winter. Now, granted, this was in Georgia, but it still gets cold there. And they continued to build and do things to the point where they were at the place they were today. And it's amazing. But it took people, people that were committed to God and committed to, to being available and using the gifts and the callings God had for each of them to get to where they were. And that's the only way it ever happens is people, all of us, use the gifts and callings that God's given us and apply them and use them for the glory of God, for the benefit of the kingdom and the body of Christ and for the reaching of souls so that we continue to be what God has for us to be and do what God has for us to do. It goes on to say, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. It's happening all over today. I mean, I, I, Pastor Gabe and I were talking this week about the fact that it's very concerning that there is such high profile, well-known ministers that are speaking things that are absolutely against the Bible. There are people out there saying there's no real trinity. Yeah. And these are people that you would know if I spoke their name. And it causes us to have great, great awareness that the deception, like, like it says in Matthew, Many will be deceived and will deceive many. And it's happening. And, and it causes a real concern in both Pastor Gabe and myself that we could be just like that. And we all have. Every one of us has deception working in our lives. But we have to have people in our lives that will be able to speak to us and tell us truth that we don't necessarily see and we may not agree with, but it's still truth. Because we'll know the truth and what will the truth do? It'll set us free and keep us free. Instead, they will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. So our head is Christ. And, and he is going to direct us. He is going to guide us. These grace gifts have a calling from God to be used to teach, develop, and uh, to grow the body of Christ. And just like any gift, these some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, God wants these gifts, first of all, acknowledged and appreciated. Second of all, wants them to be valued. Because we can't become, we cannot become what we are to become without these gifts. None of us can stand before the Lord and say, look what I did. Everything we become, it's because we make choices. We have the final say, but it's because of the influence that we've allowed to be in our lives, whether it's the Word of God, the Spirit of God. It's the body of Christ. It's the gifts of ministry that, that God places in our midst to develop us. He wants them to be valued and be beneficial and used. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, the Apostle Paul writes this. He said, I became a minister according to the gift of grace, of God given to me by the effective working of his power. When something is effective or efficient, that means it's unhindered. 
And God is desiring that he would be unhindered in our life, working in our life fully and completely unhindered, not set off to a side saying, you can work in this area of my life, Lord, but you can't work in this area. But wanting us to embrace him and have him work in every area of our, our life. And when people do that, God is able to do great and mighty things through them uh, in the earth. And uh, in Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 3, uh, this is what happened to the Apostle Paul when, when uh, before he was the Apostle Paul. It says one day they were worshiping God, they were also fasting, and as they waited for guidance, notice they waited for guidance, something we need to do every day. Wait for guidance from God. The Holy Spirit spoke. Take Barnabas and Saul. That was, Saul was the Apostle Paul before he became the Apostle Paul. And commissioned them for the work that I have called them to do. So they commissioned them in the circle of intensity and obedience of fasting and praying. They laid hands on their heads and sent them off. So in that moment, what had happened was uh, Holy Spirit revealed this calling these gifts that God had given, and, and he was saying, you need to recognize them. You need to acknowledge them. You need to value them, and, and you need to set them, commission them, or ordain them. And today, uh, we are going to ordain somebody that God has set. This is the person I have and the purpose I have uh, for this time. And as they did, they prayed they laid hands on them, and they were set in and sent off. This one we're not sending off. This one's staying. But uh, uh, that is Jeremy Roberts. He is going to be commissioned and ordained today as a pastor, given by God to this fellowship. And you all, yeah, give God praise. And it shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, you are being fed by God on a regular basis through him. But he has been doing work for many years, feeding our youth and being a, a very integral part of what we're doing. We couldn't have done all the things we did during COVID without his help and without other people's help. But today it's about Jeremy. And it's about the gift that Jeremy is that God has, has made known to us, uh, but we're making known to you, but it's, he, he is a gift given by God to us. And so we need, to, we need to be aware of that. We need to honor that. We need to appreciate and value that. And we need to allow that gift to be used in our lives. Amen? Because the Bible says this. If we receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, we receive a prophet's reward. What it's just saying, if you don't recognize the gift that this, this is, you'll not receive what that gift can give. And, and Jeremy is a gift. His wife is a gift also. We all are gifts given by God, but we have different functions. And today we're acknowledging the function and the calling uh, of being a pastor in this church. And so with that, I want you all to listen to this, but this is really pointing towards you, Jeremy, because this is what the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to Timothy. 
You see, a lot of the, the letters in the New Testament are written to groups of believers, but there are two, at least, letters that are written directly by the Apostle Paul to Timothy, who was coming up in the ministry. And uh, so listen to this very carefully, Jeremy, and, and all of you take note. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, the Apostle Paul says, I charge you. And so today, Jeremy, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead as his, at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come. And I will tell you, it is here. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth to be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And in verse 6 through 8, in 1 Timothy 4, it says, If you instruct the brethren in things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life that is now and of that which is to come. Jeremy, let no man look down on your youth, but be an example to all believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Give attention to reading and to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift which is in you, that special inward endowment which was directly imparted to you by the Holy Spirit, by prophetic utterance when the elders laid hand, their hands upon you at your ordination. Verse 15 and 16 says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to doctrine continually. For in doing so, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Having heard these things, Jeremy, I'm going to ask you to please come up here in the front and turn and face the congregation that God has given you as a gift to. Pastor Gabe, I'd like you to come up on, on one side of him. We're going to pray for him, but we would ask that you would extend your hands as an act of your faith uh, and your faith and your love. Go ahead, Pastor Gabe. Father God, Today is a good and awesome day because you are in it. We praise your holy name. This day is special 
for another reason. For dedicating one of your sons to a higher commitment to serving, to ministry. We rejoice and we thank you for this blessing. We come this morning to set apart this man for the spread and the proclamation of the good, good news, this gospel. As we set him apart, we pray that you would separate every component of his being for you. Set apart his eyes. Equip them to see Christ in all of scripture. Set apart his lips to speak the truth with boldness and clarity, to proclaim it with wisdom and gentleness. gentleness. Set apart his ears to hear what you have to say to him by your spirit, to hear the needs of the congregation, to hear your guiding way in his shepherding along with the elders of this congregation. Set apart his heart so that it beats with love for the lost and for the people you have entrusted to him and set apart his backbone to stand strong and firm for the truth. To stand firm as your word and your church come under attack from so many, many different directions. And maybe, may he often be on his knees seeking the help of your spirit to empower your word as it is proclaimed. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gifts that you give us. We thank you for this gift, the gift of your servant, your son. The Father will look to you and listen for you everywhere he goes and everything he does. Father, we pray that his, his dependence and reliance would be on you and your word and your spirit. That, Father, he would be able to be the man of God you have for him to be and do the things you have for him to do with courage, with excellence, with your will being revealed every step that he takes. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you live in him by your spirit. And it is the same spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead that imparts and empowers to him the things he needs, the gifts, the abilities, in the moments that you have for him to speak. But Father, we thank you also that he, as your servant, would continue to wear your armor so that the attacks of the enemy would be thwarted. That, Father, he would rise up daily knowing that you are the strength of his life, that you are the God that not only called him, but was, is with him every step of his calling. 
And Father, we thank you. We thank you right now. We, we thank you for the gifts. We call forth the gifts that he's known he's had, but also that he has not known he's had. Father, we thank you for the gift of, of wisdom. We thank you for the gift of knowledge, the, the gift of discernment. Father, we thank you that you, you impart to him every gift he needs in every circumstance he finds himself in. But Father, we also pray that he would be intentional about always pausing to look to you, the God who has called him and equipped him. Because it's only by your grace and only for your glory that he does what he does. And it is always in your love. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you have done. We thank you for Jeremy's choice of being faithful. Not perfect, but faithful. For Father, there is only one perfect, and we look to him. The Lord Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And yet today, Father, we thank you that the, the gift that stands before all of us is a gift given by you. Help us to, to appreciate and to acknowledge that he is a gift. Help us to value and treasure the gift that he is. Help us to be willing to be benefited and let him use the gifts that you've given him to impact and influence and impart to our lives as part of the body of Christ the things that you have for us to receive. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you that... From this day forward, Jeremy will always remember, no matter what the enemy brings, that you are with him and for him, that you are a God that loves him and have given gifts to him and callings to him that are unique to him and never to be taken away. And so, Father, today we rejoice and thank you, almighty God, Lord, the head of this church, for the gift that you give to us and Pastor Jeremy Roberts. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Well, before we go, couple more things. Uh, one is we are a family. And as families do, we, we support each other, we encourage each other, we stand with each other, and we stand for each other. And today I would ask that you be praying for uh, Molly Barton, uh, Kristen and Ben's daughter who has been in the hospital, has been through a lot of really challenging things, as many children are. Be praying for our children. The attack is on uh, for health. And also be praying for Tim Jakubiak, who is also in the hospital. He has had some, um, some challenges, and uh, we just need to be praying for his health, too. Uh, and we're just going to do that right now. So again, Heavenly Father, we come to you, and we thank you. There is no time or distance in the spirit. We thank you for Molly and for all the children that are currently battling uh, RSV or any of the other things. Father, we thank you that you are their healer. We, we just speak healing right now to their bodies. We speak that life 
and vitality and wholeness and health come and symptoms and sickness must go in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for your presence with Tim. We thank you for your spirit that lives in him, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that quickens his body. Father, whatever has gone on and whatever has caused it, you know completely. And so we thank you, Father, that we can put our trust in you. You can use doctors and nurses, technology and medications, and we welcome that. But, Father, we know ultimately all healing comes from Jehovah Rapha, our healer. So we thank you for Tim's healing. We thank you for comforting the families of these people that we've just prayed for, that they would look to you and trust in you and and, uh, your peace that passes all understanding would guard their hearts and their minds. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, I'm going to invite you in just a second to come and... and, uh, We'll get Jeremy back up here, or you can just stay up here, because it's uncomfortable. Come back here, Jeremy. (laughs) Turn around. Face everybody. (laughs) See, revenge is sweet. (laughs) No, this is just, Jeremy, for you to get used to the fact that, that God wants you to be honored, because you are a gift, and we need to, to honor Honor the gifts of God. Now, I just want to pray for you all before I dismiss you. Heavenly Father, thank you for each and every one of your children, every one of the gifts that you've given. And Father, we thank you that uh, we'll become more aware of the gifts that you give us, the callings that you have invited us to fulfill, and be bold and courageous. And step out into the things that you have for us that may be unfamiliar and very uncomfortable. But Father, we know that with you all things are possible, that you're at work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. So Father, as we go through this week, we thank you that we are not leaving you anywhere. But Father, we can be aware of you everywhere and available to you at all times. That, Father, your kingdom not only would be at hand, but it would be in demonstration. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and the best that's yet to come. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Jeremy, come on back up here. Come on. I'm having you come up here so people can (laughs) greet you.